Welcome to Brave Knitting. Welcome. This is episode 11, which will be released on March 1st, 2020. I'm Linda. And I'm Anne. And Anne, what are we being brave about today? Well, we are being brave about increases and decreases. Ooh, pretty exciting stuff. It's very exciting <laughs> stuff. And we've been discussing it for a while, and I think my brain is in a pretzel this moment (laughs) we've been sitting here trying to work with yarn and needles trying all these different different techniques yes because it seems like I don't remember there being as many increases and decreases when I first started knitting or maybe I was just really unaware could be but yeah there are a lot of them out there for sure and even if I've used one repeatedly it seems like I always have to look it up you know, if I see it in a pattern, I don't necessarily remember it from project to project. I think one of the things that I've noticed, and it may just be the particular types of patterns that I'm doing these days, but I think that it used to be that a pattern would just say increase or decrease. And so in my oh, case, wow. you know, if it was an increase, I would, you know, knit into the front and the back of the stitch. And if it was a decrease, I would knit two together and that get on with it. That works for me. (laughs) And that's still what I do most of the time. But I think now there are a lot of patterns that are very specific about the types of increases that, or decreases that that they want you to do. And I I think that's good, but it causes us to have to be brave and learn some new skills. That's exactly right. And I was thinking about it when I started knitting. um, I would always, uh, I think you asked me what my favorite increase is. (laughs) And I don't know that it was a favorite, but it was uh, just something I did often was the old yarn over, uh, not intentionally, which also (laughs) caused me to have to learn the knit two together on the other side to get rid of my mistake. But uh, yeah, the yarn over was definitely the easiest. Right. And now I guess my favorite would be the knit front and back. Right. And it's funny, I don't, I know that yarn over is an increase, but it's funny. I don't really think of it as an increase. I, I think of it more as like a pattern. And I think a lot of times when I've done any sort of lace pattern that has a yarn over that, that it's followed by a decrease. So it, so you end up with the same number of stitches. So it doesn't really seem like an increase to me. So it's funny in, in my brain. I just never think about it. Right. And I probably don't uh, think about it like that anymore. I don't make that mistake like I used right. to when I first started knitting. Right. Or at least if you make it, you don't knit it on the next row, right? <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly right. Right. I have, I've gotten a little bit better, let's put it that way. Well, one of the things that I became more aware of when I was working on the level one of the master's program last year is that we had to, there was some questions on the, in the program about full-fashioned versus blended increases. Full-flat. Full-fashioned versus blended. What do you mean? So blended is exactly what it sounds like, that it is a increase or decrease, I guess. Either either or. Either or. That blends in with the fabric. So as invisible as possible. And full-fashioned is one that is sort of making a statement. So it's an increase or decrease that you can actually see that adds some sort of design element to the garment. As the yarn over does. It makes a hole. As the yarn over does. (laughs) It leaves a lovely hole. It does. (laughs) 
And then the other kind of main thing about increases and decreases in general is that they tend to be left-leaning or right-leaning, which once again, when we're left to make a choice about which one we want to use, that's something that we need to think about. Do we want one that leans left or leans right, depending on you know, where we're working on a particular item? So just something to keep in mind. Right. And another thing that I found uh, was just to keep in mind, especially if there, if some patterns do say, and I have run across this, just increase across the row or decrease across the row. And some of those uh, increase and decrease stitches use up a stitch in order to increase or decrease, as in the knit front and back. You're actually using a stitch to right. make so that you need to other stitch. Include that in your count, right? Whereas if you're making one right or making one left, that type of thing, that you know you're making something out of nothing. You're creating, you're creating. it from nothing. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. So those are kind of the the overall. So we uh, talked about the yarn over, right? Yes. And then we both seem to have liked the knit into the front and the back. I do. Now I just today learned something new that there is another version, and I don't know why I never thought of this. This is like so bonehead simple. <laughs> but there's another stitch that is knit into the back and the front. And when you do that, so it's exactly the same as knitting into the front and the back of the stitch, except you knit into the back first, and then you knit into the front. But the cool thing is you get less, you get a smaller bump, so it's a more blended type of stitch invisible. than the, the knit front and back. And for all of you out there, like me, whose brain went into a pretzel when she said that, it is not as hard as it sounds. Uh, I got out my yarn and I tried it, and it makes total sense yeah. to no, do Because it. you're just doing exactly the same thing, yes. except instead of going into the front first, you go into the back first. Exactly. So that's something I'm going to probably keep in mind. Sure, because I, you know, I usually do the knit front and back as my go-to if it just says increase and I'm too lazy to try to figure out what a better one to do is, but I probably will start doing that. I also learned, because I was looking at the June Hemmons Hyatt book, the big Bible of knitting, the principles of knitting, I think, no offense June, but I think her <laughs> chapter or chapters or sections, there are many sections all over the book about increases and decreases. I, I think they're confusing. I, I had a hard time following one in particular where she was talking about bar increases. And the way she was describing it, I really didn't understand what she was doing. The illustrations didn't help me at all. But I think I've now come to the conclusion that a bar increase is just another word for the knit into the front and the back because essentially it leaves that little bar that looks like a pearl stitch. So if anyone out there knows anything differently about that, yeah, we could if, be wrong. Yeah, we could be wrong. So if because if I think something, I think we both mistakenly all this time thought that bar increases we'll had to do with we make ones because you use the bar. And yeah, they call that the bar between them. Right. Yeah. So that is confusing. Hey, people, the same. you heard it here. <laughs> we we think we made that distinction that a bar increase is not a make one, and a bar increase is apparently just a knit into the front and the back. Right. It makes sense to me. I think we nailed it. <laughs> so which brings us to the make one right and make one left. And that is my least favorite. Notably, the make one right. I can pull off a make one left, but that make one right 
is so darn awkward, it's hard for me to get the needle into the left needle, into that stitch to be able to knit it. I just, I guess it's because I'm a very tight knitter. Right. And you're working on something now where you're having to do make one left and make one right or not at this moment, okay. but one of the very first projects I made, it was a snood and I had to do a make one right and a make one left. Okay. So I, I just, it has, it's not my favorite. And then when I was reading about this and getting prepared for this podcast, I again pulled out my yarn, started working on it and, um, still struggle. It's still a struggle for me. Well, well, here's the good news. Because I, it seems lately, probably the last year, almost every project I've worked on has called for a make one left or right. So I feel like I've had more practice in the past year on those particular stitches than anything than else. Anything else. <laughs> and it does get easier. But for me, for a long time, I was confused about, sometimes it only says make one. Oh. Some, and what I have learned now is that there is a make one which I guess you can just do whatever you think is appropriate. There's a make one left. There's a make one right. There's a make one O. There's a make one away. And there's a make, which is make one A, an M1A, and an M1T, which is make one toward. So <laughs> Toward what? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So, And I also found a make one below. Make one below, which we really think is just another name for what we're talking about, lifted stitches. Okay. But, so, to try to clarify as much as possible, and I have, it took me a long time to memorize which, which was left and which was right, but I think I finally, I have a little, you know, game I play in my head with, with letters and the alphabet that help me remember. So, a make one left... You go from front to back with your left hand needle. This is a problem that I've had in the past. Is that every once in a while I think you're doing it with the right hand needle, but you're doing it with the left hand needle. You go, you find that bar between the two stitches. You go underneath it, front to back with the left hand needle. You lift it onto the left hand stitch, and then you knit into the back loop of that stitch. And that is a make one left. For the make one front, or the make one right, so here's my little alphabet trick. Front and right both have an R in them. Gotcha. <laughs> so I know that when I'm making one right, I want to bring my needle to the front, and then I'm going to stitch into the front loop. So it's like all those R's, front, that's, front, and right. I like that. So I like that. that's how I finally got it into my brain. And I just have to quickly add, I watched a YouTube video last night. I think her name was Roxanne Richardson. And she uh, always did, if it's a make one left, you go, you always go um, through that bar, under that bar from, you know, the front to the back. And if it's a make one left, you do it with the left needle and just knit through the back. If it's a make one right, you go through with the right needle and transfer it over to the left just exactly as it is and knit through the front. So that kind of last night I was like, oh, that, that's, 
helpful if it's make one left go through the front from the left, make one right go through the front with the right. Okay. See, so, I'm always going with the left because it seems like when I would go yeah. through with the right, my increases would look terrible. Could be. Then what really confused me for a long time was this make one O, and I think it's usually like a little letter O is the way it's spelled out. Because it's basically a combination of those two. In that case, you go from the front to the back, but then you knit into the front loop. So normally when you go from front to back, you you, you knit into the back loop. In the make one O, you go front to back, but knit into the front, which ends up making a hole. Oh. So when you want a hole, an O, a little O. That it's a little O. Then there's a make one away which is very confusing because I think it has nothing to do with lifting the bar. And I just looked at this recently. But it's basically you're just doing a, a loop with your thumb. Like a thumb, like when we talked about uh, casting on mm -hmm. and we did like a thumb loop cast on, which is kind of like the easiest thing you can do, right? Mm -hmm. You're just kind of looping back. The make one away is essentially the same thing. And so that you're just making a loop with the yarn. Where's a Onto the left needle or the right? Onto the, yeah, one of those. <laughs> one of those two. <laughs> okay, I'm getting out my, yes, my, my needles here and actually trying to do it, which doesn't really help those of you listening at home no. because you can't see what the heck I'm doing. But let me knit a stitch. And then, so I think if I, yeah, make one away, then the yarn is away from me. She looped on to the right. So I just made a little loop onto the right, and if I make one forward, then the yarn is comes forward towards me, like you would want if you were purling, essentially, right? So both go on to the right-hand needle. It's just how you loop right. it, either. And right I could be right. I could be a little off on that, but that's but once again, I found that confusing that there were so many things called make one. Yes, and you know, which just brings you back to the whole idea that thank goodness for YouTube. And that when you see it in a pattern, you know, make one O, you can go to YouTube and you can find someone out there who is going to speak to you and you will be able to figure out how to do it. And also, aside from YouTube, I think it's great to have some resources. I have a, a book that I really love called Increase Decrease. It's 99 step-by-step -step methods. And it is by Judith Durant. I think of any book that I own, any knitting book that I own, and I own quite a few, that to me it's the most straightforward in terms of instructions. That's good to I know. find sometimes that the illustrations, there are very, very good, clear illustrations of the techniques, but then also very clear illustrations of the resulting fabric you get. Oh. So like they show like this is what this is what this sort of an increase or decrease looks like and this is what the other one looks like and and then they you know go through and they show you the the actual method sort of you know step by step by step and alongside the, the photos they have very clear text. So I I highly recommend that book for people that really want to understand increases and decreases better. It's just Absolutely. a great resource and it's a it's a relatively inexpensive inexpensive book. It has a nice, uh, what do you call this, spiral binding. So it lays flat, 
that's just lovely. We will link to and, that and down <laughs> below. Judith is not paying me to say this. I just really like the book. No one pays us anything to say anything. <laughs> yeah, unfortunately. <laughs> that's right. Okay, so are we on to decreases? I think so. Did you know there are 43 ways to decrease? Oh. There may be even Heaven more. Help us. But We're not going through all 43. According to Judith Durant, there are 43 ways to decrease. Wow. Well, my favorite decrease is the knit two together, <laughs> as we've already said. Yes. It's just very straightforward, and yes. I, yes, I love that, too. And right along with Pearl two together, right? Exactly. But there are some, and in de decreasing, particularly, there are situations where you're decreasing where you do want them to be mirrored. And so the SSK, which is slip, slip, knit, is the mirror of the knit two together, and the SSP, a slip slip pearl, is the mirror for the pearl two together. Yeah. Now, SSK, we discussed like before, yes. is kind of a tricky name for the stitch. It is, yeah. You know, <laughs> who <names>? yes. <laughs> Actually, I saw a someone on Fruity Knitting a while back, and she was a great teacher, great, you know, a, a big name in knitting. Of course, I don't remember what her name is at this moment, but she was talking about how Really, you know, knitting doesn't help itself by having all these, you know, little abbreviations. It's kind of like a club and you have to be an in-member, you know, to understand what all these things mean. Because for a, a new knitter, you know, I mean, slip, slip, knit. It sounds like, you, okay, I'm going to slip a stitch, slip, slip a stitch, and I'm going to knit a stitch. And yeah, <laughs> if, if they would just, you know, write it out a little bit more clearly, write patterns more clearly. Right. You know, but, I mean, the good news is most out. patterns these days yes, have a, glass, a glossary at That's the end true. where they do define these things. Right. So thank, thank goodness. goodness. Yes. Yes. So in that, in looking at the, the mirror decreases, we also found that there is a SPP, which is the mirror to the PSP, oh and so those are decreases on the pearl side, where the SPP is a slip, a pearl, then you pass the, the slip stitch over the pearl stitch while it's on your right-hand needle. And then for the PSP, you pearl a stitch, then you slip a stitch knitwise, you pass both of them, pearl-wise, back to the left-hand needle. Then you lift that slip stitch over the pearl stitch and put the re <laughs> put the result on your right-hand needle. Oh my. Did you catch all that? I did not catch all that. And then we have the PSSO, pass. There you go. Slip, slip stitch over. Uh, yes, we will leave uh, links to videos down below for all of these or most of these right. for sure. Um, and I think when it comes to increases and decreases, that it's, it is hard to, to memorize all of these. So it is good to have a good, you know, if you have some little cheat sheet that you've made yourself or maybe gotten from a, a knitting book that you've copied and have near you, it's, I think it's very helpful. True. And like, I, I really refer to this increase decrease book all the time. Mm -hmm. One of the things I did learn about decreases though is that or a new thing I learned today was something called a loop decrease, which was very interesting, which was a decorative decrease that uses three stitch stitches that becomes two. We won't try to describe it here, 
but it's just a good example of some of the kind of interesting decorative decreases that I found in this book that I was not aware of before and that, you know, in the future, if I'm designing something, I'll probably consider using because some of them really, really look great. Absolutely. Also, something that I ran across, I don't know if it's time for this or, or not, but um, if you are working on a pattern and it just says to increase or decrease across a row, that it's important, well, number one, you would take your stitch count, say you have a stitch count of 200, and you would divide that by the number that you want to decrease. Let's say they say, you know, decrease by 10 stitches across this row. So you'd end up with, you know, decreasing every 20 stitches across that row. And the thing to remember is with decrease and increase, there are some, as we mentioned before, that use a stitch to decrease. They use a stitch right. to increase. So really, you know, figure that out. So if you're going to be using a stitch instead of saying, um, what would it be? Uh, you would have to, uh, I don't know if I'll be able to come up with it, knit nine and then knit front and back instead of saying knit 10 and, you know, right. in, yeah, increase. So that's something to bear in mind. That was a Not as one. much of an issue on a decrease because you're always using a stitch in the decrease. Right, <laughs> right, 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 exactly. Good point. Sorry about that. Another, another really helpful thing I found in when I was looking at increases and decreases is there's a, a website called knitting help and it's knittinghelp.com and it has videos of many different things, but there's a section called decrease. And so if you click on the videos and you click on the increase or decrease section, it shows you a, a photo of, of like a, a, I guess just a strip of knitting where they, they, done different decreases and increases and kind of showed how they mirror, but then they identify each of them. And then if you click on the little thing that's pointing to them, that's where you find the video for that particular increase or decrease. Oh, but nice. I thought it was just like a really great visual and, and, you know, it's free. It's on the internet. It's there to help Wonderful. you that just go and look at it. I, think, I thought it was really kind of interesting to, to just get a handle on this whole increase decrease thing. Thank goodness for the internet. Yes. So, I think we've got done it. My, my brain is in I a know, pencil. It's, it's just, <laughs> we thought, oh, it'd be so easy. We know a lot of decreases and increases, but from the minute I got here and we started talking about it, it's just been... I know. I yeah. guess it's just something that you... And it, it, it is something, granted, and we knew this going into it, hard for us to describe in an audio podcast. But the main point is we just want you to be aware that there are these different increases out there and to... You know, find a good resource and, and, and learn how to use them. Absolutely. And, and keep practicing, like I told Anne, with and those make right. ones. Those make ones will get easier, I promise. So before we get started on with the rest of our raves and saves and misbehaves and all that good stuff, we just wanted to thank our many listeners who have given us some feedback recently in particular, Elaine made a comment on Facebook for us about the tension episode where we talked about tension problems with purling, and she referred to a Very Pink Knits video titled Backward Knitting, huh. which she said she uses that has really helped her 
hurling tension problems. Well, thank you so much, Elaine. So I we will, will check into that. Yeah, we will put a, a link to, to that video up there. But um, thank you, Elaine, for that. We also, I got an email from, I think someone named Cece, who said she was listening to our Knitting in the Round episode, and <laughs> she thought she had been doing Magic Loop, but apparently... She'd been doing something different than Magic Loop. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. What she described to me in the email still kind of sounded like Magic Loop, so I'm not sure what she discovered, but it's just fun to, yes. it's just fun to hear from all of you and hear, you know, what, what you're learning from us, and we love to learn from you as well. Yeah. So, yes, just keep the comments coming. We appreciate them very much, and we appreciate it so much that we are going to do a giveaway. Yay! Da -da -da. So I know that you met the person who uh, gave us this right. stain. Monica Greco. We met at Vogue Knitting Live, and her company is Divine. I guess it's Divine Yarns. I don't have my glasses on right now. But it's hand-dyed hand luxury yarn. It's beautiful. And she gave us this skein that we posted a picture of on Instagram before, but we'll put uh, a picture of it on Facebook and on Instagram again. Again, and we just really want we want to hear from you. So we want to hear what what you want to hear about. Right. What would you like us to talk about? What do you want us to be brave about next? <laughs> now we have the next couple of episodes planned, but we are really interested in your feedback and. So we're going to use that to, to decide what we're, what we're going to be talking about going forward. And you can respond on Facebook or on Instagram. Or you could email us, too. Sure. And we be Brave Knitting. Absolutely. And we will uh, use a random number generator to choose a winner. Right. From all those places. Uh, and we will announce it on our next episode on March 15th. March 15th, yep. The so, Eyes of March. Ooh. <laughs> the Eyes of March giveaway. All right. So definitely go to Instagram, email us, or Facebook, and tell us what you want us to talk about in the future. Okay. Yeah. Great. What are you all being brave about? So what are you raving about today, Anne? What I'm raving about today is that uh, we went to McKinney Knittery in McKinney, Texas on February 11th with our knitting group, and we just had the most amazing time. It is such a darling shop with such great yarn products. It's just um, so fun. They were so good to us. We They were. Special thanks to Ginger Hayes, who's the, the owner of the shop. She was really lovely. They even made us coffee, and we sat with uh, another group of knitters, four other knitters, who were so nice. It was so fun to get to know them. And I just cannot wait until we take another field trip and experience another great local right. yarn shop. And most of us dropped a little cash while we were there, too, oh, right? Oh, yes. Oh, yes, we did. <laughs> Which was fun. It was a lot of fun. How about you? I'm going to rave, and this is something that really helped me with my increases, not necessarily decreases, but helped me with my increases in particular, was about, a, I guess it was two years ago now, I started knitting little cotton rabbits. So cute. Now, if you have not seen Little Cotton Rabbits by Julie Williams, I warn you, if you <laughs> get on Ravelry and you 
go to that pattern, and there's several patterns. There's a girl pattern and a boy pattern, and she's got several patterns. But each pattern, there are, I looked this morning on the little girl dotted dress pattern. There are over, I think, over 4,000 projects on Ravelry, and everyone is just cuter than the next. So you could just sit there for days and scroll through all these cute little bunny rabbits with these adorable outfits. I made several. I got really hooked into these two years ago, and I have uh, from some friends who have, at the time, had four little granddaughters. They now have a fifth little granddaughter. Start knitting another bunny. <laughs> I've got to make another <laughs> bunny for Lena. But the, they're just so fun. And I made, so I made four of the bunnies for these four little girls. I made outfits that were kind of unique to the personality of the girl. And then I wrote a little story for each bunny and sent it to them at, at Easter time. And then I also knit another one for my, one of my sons, his girlfriend at the time. She, I, she was around at Easter time and she had been admiring my knitting. And so I made her a little bunny. And then I made a bunny that I entered into the state fair of Texas and I won, what did I win? I think third prize. I think you were second, second, second or third. Uh, we don't remember. I got, I got a ribbon. And it was very exciting to win something for little Bell Star, my, my little bunny rabbit. She but anyway, a Texas flag dress. She had a Texas flag dress. Yes, I designed myself. It was really, really complicated. Haha. <laughs> so cute. The little, what I learned when you make these little rabbits, you're using worsted weight yarn on very tiny needles because you want a really, really tight weave, right? Because these are going to be stuffed and you don't want the stuffing coming out. But there were several methods of increases that we use throughout the pattern. And because I made so many of those bunnies and because you use these increases so frequently in, you know, making their little heads and everything, mm -hmm. it was really, really great practice for me. So, number one, it, it's an adorable pattern. Easter is coming up, but Ash Wednesday is this week, and so we're getting into the Easter season. Right. So, those of you that may want to make some bunnies, just hop on over to find Julie Williams. I think she has a, a website, too, and it may be, I think it's called something like Little Cotton Rabbits. But just adorable and gives you a chance to be really creative, too. So, I, I love Practice the bunnies. Practice increases and decreases. Yes, <laughs> that's right. That sounds good. Are we to misbehave? Yes. Oh my. Well, I'm still working on those socks from Wool and the Gang. <laughs> when I got to McKinney Knittery, I thought, okay, I'd already tried doing it with a, a size four needle, um, which was the only one that I, I, the only size I had. That was the smallest size I had in a um, circular. So I decided I was going to buy um, some interchangeable needles which I did, and they only go down to size three. And Linda pointed out to me that's because, you know, really they have to screw it together and, and it's, you know, you can't really get it, you know, use that mechanism if you get the needles too small. I thought, perfect, because I know that I need a three. That's exactly what I needed. So I bought those and started knitting on my sog. And yeah, no, I think I need a two. I need a two or a one a, or a zero. Yeah, yeah. yeah, so here we go. Here we go again. So I would say that that's been my misbehave in the, um, yeah. Okay, just having, yes. not, not really getting gauge. Did you do a exactly. gauge watch? Well, that's kind of what, 
I'm, I'm one of those who, you know, I'm just, I'm just starting and that's my gauge swatch and they have it built in actually. Will okay. and the gang has it built in okay. because they keep saying, okay. this is your chance. This is the stripe, you know, make sure that you're, you know, hitting, hitting it here. And I'm not. And you're not. And okay. I'm not. So I'm just going to have to go down another needle size. Just keep getting those needles. I know it. Well, I had a big misbehave in level one again on the master knitter thing that I completed last year where you have to do a lot of swatches in the program and you have to do mere decreases and my slip slip knit it's just not very good it's I very find that hard to believe it's very bumpy hmm. and even after practicing all the techniques that could help make it less noticeable less big it's still kind of big it's just really interesting to me it's the only mm -hmm. stitch like that that you know in my when you're going through the master knitter program you have a, a contact person a co-chair that you can contact with questions and and several times I contacted her and you know asked you know she had suggestions about what I could do to improve my the problem I was having and she gave me a couple of suggestions and I followed them and not, you know, nothing really seemed to help that. So I, it's just something I'm kind of aware of now that, that it, it just ends up being too big. And one of the, the main suggestions was to try to use pointier needles and, and stay very close to the tip of the needle to try to not stretch those stitches as much. But, okay. Well, listeners, if someone out there has an idea, let us know. Let us know for sure. Yes. All right, saves. Any I, saves? I just found this one last night. I just thought it was really cute. There's um, a cute YouTube channel called Sheep and Stitch, and she does a lot of knitting hacks. And this, oh. you know, after you see it, it's like so cool. obvious, but you know how much I love coffee. I've got a lot of, um, <laughs> yeah, I have coffee mugs at home, and I also have those, you know, disposable kind that have the lid. And uh, what a great idea, you know, like for my sock ball of yarn. I don't have a yarn bowl. Uh, oh. You can just drop it into one of those little, you know, coffee, yes. you know, those cups and put on the <laughs> lid and, you know, run it through the little sippy hole. I thought that was just brilliant. That is brilliant. Yeah. So I even have the, yeah, you know, like the to-go ones that I put in my car, right? Sure. Yeah. 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 It's well, really a great idea. That so. is a great idea. I love that. Yes. All right. My, my save, I have a couple little hints. Number one. Like you were talking about, you're, you're having trouble with the make one right, make one left, yes. getting your needle in. That good pointing needles are really, really helpful when it comes to some of these increases, as is some very good lighting. <laughs> True. But the other little hint I have for you this episode, a great save, is something I, I had meant to talk about, I think, on a previous episode, and I just kept forgetting but I had talked about the knittinghelp.com website and that they have videos of how to do almost everything. Well, they have an app, and I've had it on my phone for a long time. I can't remember if it's a free app or if it's something that you have to pay for. I think I, I must have, I think, paid something something for it because I don't, I don't get ads when I look at it. Mm -hmm. But there are videos of almost everything, and the great thing about this app is it doesn't use the Wi-Fi that all these videos, I guess, are downloaded into the app in your phone. So, 
like in the case when I was I was hiking in Big Bend a few weeks ago, and obviously no Wi-Fi service and very little cell service. Or when you have a tornado come through town. Or you have a tornado come through town, right. There on my phone, I could get the video of how to do the make one ride or the whatever. So I think that that, that app is, is good really, to know. Yeah, yes. really, really handy app. Yes. When you have no electricity and you want to knit, but you don't know how to do the stitch. Yes. <laughs> I think that that's a great idea. Awesome. Or just, you know, handy to have with you wherever you go. Because, sure. you know, if you're sitting in the dentist office waiting to and, and knitting and you come across something and, you know, you don't have all your resources with you and you don't necessarily want to look something up on the Internet while you're sitting there, that this app is really, really great. And the, the videos, some of them, I'd say most of them, they don't have audio but they're they're good and they're clear and you can understand what they're doing and they're they're very short um highly recommend wonderful okay now we get down to the craze uh i bought new interchangeable needles as i've just mentioned at mckinney knittery likey is that how you pronounce it l-y-k-k-e i think so but i'm not positive right i'm sure we'll hear if we're wrong yes please do let us know and i really like them they are just um so beautiful i, I bought their bamboo their wood and not the driftwood i know that they also have a driftwood but right. this was not the driftwood it was more like a bamboo and it came in this handy dandy little uh, pouch and i'm just really excited to knit something with them and since it's not going to be the socks not i mean socks. there's a part of me that just wants to keep knitting the socks and just to heck with the pattern that's supposed to emerge but i've got to do it right i have to do it right, right. yeah so i have to find something else to knit with my you need another sweater girl i do. do that's exactly what i need maybe we it's need to time. just take a little trip to bikini knittery and there you go find there you some go. sweater yarn or fleece down the street somewhere somewhere we, we can find yarn somewhere. <laughs> Welcome to my living room. I'm well, there sure you go. can find some right there. There you go. Oh, we won't get into that. <laughs> Crave. I'm craving this morning. I, I get the daily email from Mason Dixon Knitting, which I really enjoy. And every day the topic's a little different. But today's topic, they were talking about March Mayhem, which is their version of March Madness. So those of you that are basketball fans and are gearing up for the NCAA tournament and getting your brackets ready, that um, MDK has a bracket for knitting patterns. And it is so fun to go through and, so and, and you get to vote. And then the winners go on to like the next round and the next round. And I did it last year. And that's where I discovered the, the Noten pattern which was a sweater that I really was craving for a long time and then finally found the yarn for and then started a couple months back now and wasn't really happy with the way the yarn was working out for me and so I'm, I'm second guessing whether or not that's the right yarn for that project but I still like that sweater and it's just so fun to participate in the March Mayhem over at Mason Dixon Knitting. So do we go to Mason Dis Dixon Knitting? Is that where we go? Uh, is it yes. like their website? Yes. If you go to their website, they, they don't have the brackets up yet. According to the the little blurb they had today, I think they said the, the brackets would be ready on March 13th. Oh, fun. So, I remember you doing this last year. Yeah, it really is fun. I print out my bracket and then, and then I get really mad when my 
my selection doesn't go on to the next round. Well, but we'll have to talk about it again next time because you're going to be in the, in the midst of that. I'm yes. going to have to look into it as well. Yes, and then like there's a, so I went through today and I was looking at the, the last two years, looking at the, who the champions were, and there's actually a sweater. I don't know if it was last year or the year before, an Isabella Kramer, Kramer sweater that really looks good. And there was a, the Andrea Maury shift cowl. I don't think it won, but I think it was at least in the final four, either last year or the year before, which was kind of exciting. I made that project. But anyway, it's just a lot of fun. Exciting. Well, I think we have done it. We have done it. That's it for increases and decreases. And we will see you on March 15th. And in the meantime, be brave. Thanks for listening. If you'd like more information, check out Brave Knitting at Facebook or Ravelry group. You can also find us on Instagram at BEE Brave Knitting and email us at BEE Brave Knitting at gmail.com. <laughs>